Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. All right. So what's going on? Everybody have a good week? Yeah, it was pretty good. Finally unpacked, Noah? For the most part. That is a no. Like, the back room, I just have no idea where I'm going to put anything, so it's kind of not unpacked but all the rest of the house is exciting <laughs> are we just Rivet- not riveting we just, like, we just not good at banter are we just not good at banter this week how about that blue beetle trailer blue beetle yeah i'm definitely interested i'm i'm into it that that trailer did a lot of really cool uh, like horror movie and other comic book references in a very short little trailer. Yeah, I haven't watched it. Are you just over DC, Doug? Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, basically. All right, I'd give it. I'd give it a shot. It actually looks like it's fun and has personality. So, not not very DC like. <laughs> see how it goes i guess and there's a a thing reference during the him getting his suit which is kind of cool oh that i respect we'll see i did see an article somewhere that said it looks like this one's gonna gonna link up with the, the james gunn dc yeah it's it's the first one after the flash resets everything mm-hmm I mean, that's more interesting than me if things are reset and they're starting over, but I still think they're not committed to the full reset. So, oh no, they're they're cherry picking stuff. Yeah. So, it's starring uh, the the kid that played Miguel in Cobra Kai. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it looks it looks like they're actually going fully dedicated to like it's a Latino superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he. I think he's a really good choice to play that character. George Lopez is playing his dad. <laughs> Big old beard and a mullet. It looks like. Yeah, it looks it looks pretty phenomenal. I was I was extremely surprised about how excited that trailer got me. <laughs> that uh, is it like comic accurate type stuff or uh for the most part it seems accurate but I mean it's the uh Jaime version which 
I, I can't honestly say I know that version as well as the other five. I think he's the third Blue Beetle. Uh, yes, as far as I know. Right, because there's so what is it, Dan Garrett, and then Ted Cord. Yeah, and then Ted Cord's the one that everybody loves. Yeah, although everybody loves Jaime too, but the, he's more like the newer comic book reader people. Yeah, he was the one that was brought in as like a diversity initiative, to which a lot of people kind of groaned. But then, like, they actually wrote some really good stories. So then everybody's like, "Oh, okay, all right, yeah, we're we're all right then." Well, and the fact that they kind of turned everything on its head and completely went a different direction with the character's power set. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although they were all three kind of different. I mean, the original Blue Beetle was basically a Superman clone. And then Ted Kord's version was, I guess, closer to Batman, I guess, kind of. Yeah, he couldn't get the scarab to work. So he just. Right. Like he was he was super rich and, and had technology. Yeah. And then the whole idea is that Jaime is the first one that the scarab actually works for in its entirety. So he's yeah. got a biomechanical suit with AI that. Re- it's very Giver esque. Here, here you go, Doug. Do you, if you don't know a lot about Blue Beetle. Um. Weirdly, uh, Night Owl from Watchmen is based off of Blue Beetle. Oh, that's helpful. Okay. Yeah. 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 His like vehicle looks identical to the uh, mm. the vehicle they use in Watchmen. That weird floaty owl head thing. Yeah. They just stick six legs on it, and suddenly it's the bug. All right. Yeah. Because uh, Alan Moore was going to use all the new Charlton characters they just bought. To do Watchmen, DC was like, well, I think we kind of want to use these like in our DC universe. So then he had to create brand new characters and essentially just gave them them different names and costumes. And that's about it. Which was the better way to do it anyway. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the Ted Cord version. And, uh... The Jaime, I guess, would be more of like uh, almost like it's almost like an got like an anime kind of feel to it a little bit for sure. Uh, I was gonna say related to like comics, it's more uh, more Iron Man. If Iron Man didn't know how to control his suit, just as far as how like the powers and yeah. the suit, the suit well, works and stuff like that. Yeah, it's kind of imagine if. Iron Man, Cyborg, and Venom were smashed into one thing. Yeah, that's pretty good. That doesn't make any sense, but sure. <laughs> well, because like the the suit is a little more uh, kill crazy. Yeah, it can be, but but it's it's not. It's not as restrictive as like Iron Man stuff. It can do kind of whatever it wants. Okay. So like in the in the trailer, he it tells him that he can make any weapon he wants. So he makes a giant anime like Final Fantasy sword. That that kind of thing. 
Yeah. And, then, and the suit talks to him, sort of like the Venom suit. So, but yeah, but it's an AI instead of an alien. Yeah. Although I guess technically it is alien. So it's an alien AI. Mm-hmm. It's all the things. It sounds like it's just literally all the ideas they had. It's the, <laughs> the comic book equivalent of that Gremlins 2 skit. <laughs> what what if uh, what if the suit makes a Final Fantasy sword? It's going in the movie. <laughs> uh, uh, there was also a new uh, Into the Spider Verse trailer released today. All right, and a Secret Invasion, and Secret Invasion, yeah. I'm ninety percent sure they dropped that secret invasion trailer just because everybody got hyped about the fucking blue beetle trailer, <laughs> and Marvel was like, "Oh fuck, like we got stuff too." Oh, oh, oh fuck! DC made a good movie. This isn't it again. Sam Jackson looks pretty badass. As like, like even though he was already an old man when like the first Avengers movie came out, mm-hmm. they've already decided to make it. They made him into like old man old man version of him and it right. he looks pretty badass uh do we think it's the last nick fury story i don't know i i bet they're gonna do man in the watchtower oh uh, maybe this might be his last like his chance to have like a starring role though right and then sure. he takes like a back seat after that oh because uh Jackson's like in his 70s, right? Yeah. Which is insane to think about. Yeah, I mean, at some point they have to phase him out. Just at least phase him out of the physical stuff. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I I don't know what they have planned after this. To be honest, it's all getting kind of confusing. And you're like, you're seeing movies not do as well as things have in the past. You're wondering if that's going to lead to changes. Well, I did see a headline today. I didn't read the article that said that the MCU is going to maybe start pulling back on its output, on its yearly output. Well, if I were them, I'd start start making smaller movies and not swinging for the fences every time. It's like, I I forget what the numbers are right now on Ant-Man, but it's like they're saying it's going to not, it's going to probably lose money. And it's like, well, how much money did you spend making an Ant-Man movie? And you know what I mean? Maybe. <laughs> well, when you do the entire fucking movie in that fucking crazy CGI yeah. that Marvel does. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like maybe go back to stuff that's a little bit more character focused and have, you know, not, not spend so much on the effects for every film. And, you know, in the case of Ant-Man, maybe just, you don't need everybody to go down into the, universe so maybe you don't need to pay michael douglas's full salary you know what i mean like it's there's a lot of ways that that could have been scaled back and maybe made it a better movie and they just seem to want to go bigger with everything right now and eventually that's going to backfire so i think i think a combination of the change in management at disney and well, we'll see, but I, I think that this Blue Beetle movie combined with, because I, I think we all know that The Flash is going to be a huge fucking success just because Michael Keaton. 
like the first three weekends are pretty much guaranteed to just smash ass, even with fucking Ezra Miller <laughs> dragging that movie down. Smash ass. All right. Oh. I don't know if it's going to smash ass or not, because that's not an actual measure of box office. Listen, so. that movie fucks. Everyone knows it. It's, it's, I do think it's, it'll do really well, just because of right. Michael Keaton. But, right. yeah. but on whether the, it will the, be good or not is a completely different story. Right. I was going to say, now, on the other hand, Blue Beetle just straight up looks like maybe, maybe DC finally figured out that superhero fucking movies can be fun and fairly serious like you don't have to just either turn them into a shitty joke or make them grim dark i don't know blue beetle is gonna have the crossover appeal to get a mainstream audience in there i i think it's doing the exact same thing the guardians of the galaxy did in which it's a character that's well known enough that comic book people can kind of get excited for it but not so popular that they can't kind of do their own thing with it so the yeah, yeah. so the studio probably wasn't watching it as closely, and because of that, they made a good movie. Which means two will probably suck. Yeah, we'll see. I don't, I don't know. I'm getting a fucking Creature Commando series, guys. I just, I don't care about fucking anything anymore. I'm so excited. <laughs> Me, me and Evan were texting the other day about it because I don't think he's been paying attention. And he was like, until they make a fucking Etrigan movie. And I was like, shit, with the fucking slate that Gunn just announced, we might get a full on Demon Knights movie. Like, I'm, I'm fucking down. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see if DC uh, leaves James Gunn alone enough. I did hear a rumor that there was like Mike Flanagan was in talks to do something with like Clayface that might be connected to the Batman. If uh, that's true, I'd be down for that. I'm not entirely certain if that was a fucking April Fool's joke or not. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, Flanagan did clarify on Twitter that he is just throwing out like this is something I would like to do. He has not had talks with DC about it, but he says if if it ever starts coming together, he will let everybody know because he thinks he has a great idea for it. I just don't get I don't get how you go from the Batman, which was that super grounded version Mm -hmm. to a movie with fucking Clayface in it. I don't think the Batman was that grounded. Like the movie ends with a guy in a bat suit, just like doing community service and everybody's just <laughs> just okay with it you know what i mean like that like that movie when you when you go back and rewatch it it's very comic booky yes it's like dark and serious in tone but it's very comic booky it's, it's i just want to see him picking up litter alongside the road in the bat suit it's i mean that's where he was headed that was the lesson he learned is that it's important to pick up litter he drives, he drives off and throws a can out of the Batmobile's window. And you see a Native American guy in a single tear rolling down his cheek. Oh, no, it's uh, Apache Chief. <laughs> yeah, you know Chuck. <laughs> and he, and he kicks the fucking Batmobile. <laughs> uh, 
People who are good with animation need to make this happen. <laughs> God damn it, that would be so fucking funny. I would piss my pants. All right, so are we done with our DC corner? Every week you guys gotta talk about DC all weekend. Uh, well, you sure. know who else is a fucking superhero? John Ritter. Fuck yeah, he is. Kind of. Yeah, we're talking to uh, John Ritter movies. Why haven't we covered more John Ritter on this show? There's not that much good John Ritter. I don't know why John Ritter isn't a bigger star, but he's... Yeah. You looked at his IMDb? I think it's... Covered- I think it's just Three's Company was like such a big fucking thing that he kind of got trapped into he's that TV guy. Yeah. I think that's that could be part. I mean, he also did do um, that other TV show that was on for quite a while. And, like he did it until he died, right? Oh, yeah. Simple Rules. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I guess if you're, if you have two long running TV shows, when do we need to do movies? But I wish he'd done more. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, um, I like a lot of his guest starring stuff. Like the episode of Buffy that he was on, I think was a lot of fun. Yep. He's a, he's a robot <laughs> because John Ritter robot isn't something everybody thought they needed, but they definitely do. Yep. <laughs> no, and, and like his like supporting roles, like I'm a uh, bad Santa. He was amazing in that. And it's like, you know, he, he wouldn't, it wouldn't be appropriate to have him star in a movie like that. But as a, a, as a background character, he was perfect. And I don't know why he wasn't just that all the time. Yeah. His, and his comedic timing is fucking impeccable. That yeah. dude, he just, he can say anything and it's funny. Yeah. Uh, well, Noah, do you want to run down uh, Hero at Large for us? Sure. Uh, so John Ritter is a failing actor, although fairly positive in his own way. Uh, in the background, we have a douchebag mayor running for re-election, right? Or is the governor? Something. Well, it's the mayor, but we don't see the actual mayor that much. It's yeah. more... It's more just Kevin McCarthy being his character from UHF, but in this movie. It's Kevin McCarthy being Kevin McCarthy as a bad <laughs> yeah. guy. It's kind of his thing. Which which I'm not complaining. That's a great fucking thing. Right. Uh, John Ritter's character ends up taking a job to make some money in which he dresses up like Captain Avenger, who is the star of a new TV or a new movie that is apparently not doing very well. Um, and he's going to, you know, the book signings and all that kind of stuff to, you know, the movie theater openings. Uh, and then one night he sees a convenience store guy getting robbed and he's wearing the suit already. And he decides, fuck it. I'm John Ritter and I'm a badass. I'm going to punch this dude in the face. And he does that and it works out somehow. Right. Because they make a point to say that he works out a lot to stay in shape to be an actor. Just it does like three chin-ups at one point in the movie. Right. And they're like, that counts as working out in 1980. Right, <laughs> right. right. It, John, and it's John Ritter who is like not obese by any means, but not ripped. John Ritter is no, like he, imposing he's, guy. He's in good shape. Yeah. But he's not yeah. like, he's not, uh, he's not a bodybuilder. 
he's just like normal dude who when he takes his shirt off, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. See. <laughs> And that counted it, us in good shape in 1980. And it sure, counted us in yeah. good shape if any one of us was in that good a shape. Oh, We'd all I be would, proud of ourselves. I would murder one <laughs> of you to be in that shape. In in Hollywood, it's not considered in good shape anymore. But, yeah. you know, what do you do? I, I was going to say he gets he gets a thrill from uh, saving that dude and kind of wants to do it again. Plus, he's just a genuinely good guy who wants to help people, I think. Uh, so he goes out and he does some more heroics in which he bites off a little more than he should. Uh, there's a weird love story with the lady across the hall who, um, by today's standards, he is being very inappropriate <laughs> and kind of harassing. Yes. Yeah. But in a charming John Ritter way. Uh, in 1980, he's just in love with her. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, evil politician talks him into doing one skeezy thing, which immediately goes bad for everyone. And then he redeems himself, as is the arc with all these movies. Mm. It's a great movie. I really, I, <laughs> I really, I really like, love this movie. <laughs> I really like this movie. I'm waiting for Doug to say he doesn't like it, but I would I completely know. understand the fact that if he didn't like it. I don't know. I, I enjoyed this movie. This was the first time watch for me. Okay, good. And uh, I yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't as like big and slapstick comedy as I was expecting. You know, I, I it was way more serious. It was way more dramatic, way more like reality based than I anticipated. <laughs> and it had like I, I always forget when you watch like comedies from this era that they're like they're movies they have a story and characters and it's not just one joke after another like there's long times in here where nothing funny happens mm, and yeah. sometimes i have to like remind myself oh yeah right he's like he's having these conversations but the only clothes he owns currently here is a superhero suit because <laughs> that's what he was wearing when he got evicted from his apartment <laughs> like it's <laughs> you know yeah um it's 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 an interesting movie to watch in today's because it it, it still travels at that like seventies pace of just everything was nice and slow and we don't always yeah. need to be do we don't always need to be doing something we could have a scene where they're like like where when he's been evicted so now that the girl he's been sexually harassing is letting him stay there and and yeah they're just they're getting ready for bed one night and he's laying on the couch and she's over in her bed and they're just kind of having a little chat and saying goodnight to each other. And we'll just take our time with that scene. Cause why not? You know, but because John Ritter is so damn likable, then it's like, yeah, that's fine. I just want to watch him do all this stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't believe how real world this movie felt like just the fact that they both live in like bachelor apartments <laughs> and you know what I mean? Cause rent's expensive in New York and they're struggling. And you know, when that car flips over in the scene where he like air quote bites off more than he can chew as Noah said, it's like, yeah. um, it just, it just kind of flips over and lands on its, you know, like a car would, if it was in an accident, like it's, <laughs> it's not some big Hollywood explosion. Like it's a, the whole thing felt like very grounded. And I'm like, considering that, the concept of this story. I can't believe how grounded everything is and how like real world it feels. Yeah. And the fact that like he gets shot, but he gets yeah. shot in like a, a not super devastating way, 
but still reacts terribly to it like any normal person would if they got yeah. grazed yeah. by a bullet. Yeah, like like the fact when, when a bullet grazes him, he's like, fuck this, I'm stopping. I can't obviously do this ever again. <laughs> do you know how much that hurt? Like, And it's like, of course, that's how you react. It's a bullet. It doesn't matter like how much of the bullet hits you. If any part of a bullet hits you, you probably get pretty scared. Yeah. And, you know. And he's like in shock later. He's like sweating, just like. Yeah. You can tell he's not having a good time, even though he just got grazed. Whereas yeah. in fucking Con Air, Nicholas Cage gets directly shot in the arm and doesn't even flinch. God, could you imagine if Commando had gotten been grazed with the way this guy was grazed? Oh, he would have caught the bullet in his teeth and spit it back at the guy. <laughs> totally. <laughs> But, you know, like, but that's I that's I think that helped the charm of this movie was the fact that like like he gets hit with that bullet and then it doesn't knock him over because it just grazes his arm. But then he kind of just falls down because he's just so goddamn surprised that he just got shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's a that's a very reasonable reaction in the circumstances. Like, I don't know. And the fact that, like, I think if this movie were made today it would go too far. But here it's like, he kind of stumbled across making that first save in that store. And all he really did was like yell at some people and stuff. Like no, there's no big, like drawn out fight scene. And then the second time he goes out, yeah, he's successful at like catching some robbers, but he gets shot in the process and then he's ready to quit. Like there's not, you know what I mean? There's no implication that he becomes Batman and is just scouring the streets for months or anything. It's like, I especially like that the, uh, because my brain was immediately like, well, obviously they're going to track him down. And it's like, yeah, the PR firm is in ch- that's in charge of tracking him down. Not only does track him down, but wants him to keep doing it because it's helping the movie. I'm like, that all feels very realistic. <laughs> and, and when they're like, they're like, yeah, just tell everybody to keep their suits. That way we can just let it be known that one's missing. And hopefully this guy just keeps getting us good publicity. <laughs> all that stuff felt great to me. I just, I don't know. I really yeah. like, I it wasn't a big laugh out loud comedy, which is kind of what I was expecting, but it was just charming throughout all that stuff just felt like, yeah. Other than the fact that these guys are dressed like it's 1980, everything in this movie is good. Well, that that superhero costume is real bad. <laughs> I don't even man. When he get, when he's like, OK, so the scene where he, meet, he meets the girl for the first time and he's like watching out his window because he can see who comes and goes from the apartment building. And when he sees her, he like rushes out to try to be in the hall at the same time as her. So he's planning on meeting a girl. He's got this planned in his head and he wears like a shirt that has like sleeves that cover three quarters of your arms and shorts so short that they cover three quarters of your balls. That's his outfit <laughs> that he picked. Like that's and he's just walking around like that because it's normal in, in the time but watching it today you're like why would anyone dress like that <laughs> and every time they go to like an office and people are wearing a suit but they haven't bothered to button up the dress shirt <laughs> like, what's going on <laughs> but then i'm like yeah that's according to tv that's how people dress back then so i have to assume it's true yeah yeah this is 1980 Only cool people in the city this was 1980. It was still technically the 70s. Yes, as is our policy. Yeah, I really like this movie. I saw it when I was younger on like an afternoon movie. Like, okay. you know, no idea what it was. Didn't even know the name of it. 
just I caught I caught it like five minutes in and just watched it. I'm like, oh, he's a superhero, like Superman. And uh, you know, watched it all. And then at the end, he you know goes into a building on fire to save a kid and uh, gets hurt. Yeah. So I spent a lot of years to like, what was that movie? You know, pre IMDb. And once you know. I realized, like, oh, I could look that movie up. And I finally figured out what it was. Yeah. That, this would have been a great movie to catch blind, not knowing what you're going into. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember, I think I caught it right around the part where he stops the robbery at the at the grocery store. Oh, neat. And then, you know. There's there's four channels on the air, so I'm like, well, I guess I'm watching this now. Yes, because there's nothing else on. The odds of there being another superhero on one of the other three channels is pretty low. So. <laughs> right. So yeah, I, and, uh, I'm I'm glad you liked it because I th- this definitely has nostalgia for me. So if someone's like, oh, that movie's garbage, I'm like, yeah, probably, but I still really like it. So. Well, yeah, I could see a lot of people watching it and going, well, man, it's really slow paced and it's it's not really that funny. And I'm like, yeah, all that's true. Because mm-hmm. back then, movies didn't have to fit into a genre because there was only three things on TV. So guess what? Like a quarter of the people were going to watch each channel. And it doesn't matter how it like, doesn't have to be a comedy or a drama. It can be both. And it can have yeah. that. Like, I liked that it had that sort of messaging to it where he he starts off like kind of like in one of his interviews saying like, look, it's not what I like. That's not like what the individual does that matters. It's the idea of like this hero being out there, like looking out for everybody. And if we all did that, then we wouldn't need an actual superhero. And then towards the end, he's like really trying to spread that message. And, you know, when people find out he faked that one saving thing, they're like, they turn on him and he's like, no, like he's genuinely upset that his message is being compromised. And he ends up making that sacrifice of going into that fire to uh, to make sure the message is it gets out there. I'm like that whole like the drama of that plot line is actually pretty good. Yeah. Well, but I at the end, I don't think he I don't know. It's a different way of reading it. I don't read it as he went in to help spread the message. He just did it because it was the right thing to do. And that's the whole point of his character. Yeah, But I mean, that's. He was super disappointed that his message was being compromised by his fake stunt. And so by going in there and doing the right thing, whether he did it specifically to help spread the message or whether it was just the effect of it, I'm not sure if that matters. The point is that he he redeemed himself in the eyes of the public, right. and therefore his message is now out there. And hopefully everybody's going to start helping everybody out a little more. The city will sort of actually clean itself up. Yeah, I just love this movie because of how positive his character is. I know I know that's weird. That's normally maybe something that I don't get super into. I don't like it if a movie is overly optimistic. But the fact that you've just got this character who just all he he fucking wants to do is like do the thing he loves and be a good person like that's it. And bang the neighbor and bang the neighbor. But even that, there's something super innocent about his approach to it all. Mm-hmm. I don't like. I know that, like we said, it's his behavior is inappropriate by today's standards. Like he starts 
like like even just watching her at the window i guess is a little bit creepy but not unheard of but when he starts showing up at her work and stuff and it's like and commenting on the fact that she's dating other people he's like oh so it's that was must have been a special ride home you didn't get home till the morning and stuff and it's like that's not your business you're not allowed to say that (laughs) but it's you know what i mean there's something about the way it's performed where you're just like he he's not just trying to get laid he really wants to meet this person and get to know this person you know and it's it's almost childlike in the way he's just like following her around and like oh come on like you know i'll hold your plant for you if you talk to me kind of thing Yeah, I mean, he's not like rapey or anything. It's just, as a society, we've agreed that just randomly showing up to a woman at her work, probably not a great idea. Well, and even just the whole, if, if you ask once and she says no, give her a plant back oh, and yeah. let her go about her day. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah for and, sure. And it, but that was considered romantic in movies from this era was the idea oh, yeah. that you were persistent. If you're not hanging out outside of her house with a boombox over your head, you're not trying hard enough. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Not to distract everyone from this wonderful movie, but Brian just posted something <laughs> in the chat Jesus. and I've got to, and I've got to ask what the yeah. fuck happened to Vince McMahon? When did he turn into Cuban John Waters? What the fuck? What the fuck happened? He dyed his like eyebrows and grew this weird pencil thin mustache, and it's fucking me up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He dyed his hair, dyed his mustache. I think his mustache has dyed as well. Dyed his eyebrows. Yeah. Um, I thought, I thought that useful. was an April Fool's joke too and then people started posting pictures of it all over the place and I was like oh I'm, fuck it's real <laughs> I, I'm learning right now that those pictures aren't faked I assumed they were faked and no, oh, no. put any thought into it he was on ESPN yesterday talking about WWE being sold yeah, that's exactly what that picture is from he's going to devote all of his energy to reviving the XFL uh, no the Rock bought that from him Oh, yeah. No, he's the uh, his, his new deal is he's in charge of WWF for as long as he wants to be, basically, right? Pretty much. Yeah. It, was, it was built into the sale. He's going to be the executive president again of the company. <laughs> and, so basically, uh, basically they bought they bought the company and bought the one thing holding that company back from yep. making money. <laughs> Because he swore up and down, even in this interview, no, 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 I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be really hands-on with creative. And then literally 12 hours later, he was at Monday Night Raw rewriting the entire show and canceling segments while they were on the air. Jesus Christ. And it was, it's being noted as one of the worst Monday Night Raws in like, like the past 10 years. And so people are worried that he's... He's going to be very hands-on again and ruin everything because everybody was really starting to enjoy what Triple H run then. So, I mean, I can't, I can't see knowing who he is and what he does. Can you imagine him doing anything other than tanking it on purpose because he doesn't own it anymore? <laughs> Seriously, that's not a horrible question to ask. That's what I'm saying. He's he's just he's a vindictive prick. He always has been. 
Yeah. No, I think he wants to be, he wants it to be huge again with him in charge and let everybody know that he, he has made it huge again. While at the same time, he's already cashed out. So if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. I I suppose, but that's only after he finishes serving all these mojitos in the island bar he owns now. (laughs) (laughs) Looks like he should be played by Ricardo Montalban. (laughs) Right. Uh, So three recommends for Hero at Large. Yeah, Hero at Large. Good movie. Good family movie. Do you guys, you know what I I, want to know you guys, do you, am I reading too much into this or that fire at the end was Sam Raimi maybe paying tribute to this movie when Spider-Man went to that fire in that movie, in that first movie. Cause it seemed an awful lot like it with all the firemen coming out and like coughing and everything. And they're like, we can't go in. And they're like, someone's trapped. And they're like, no, we can't let anyone go in. And then he's like, I'll go in <laughs> and he bursts in anyway. And there's that scene in, in Spider-Man where they're like, you're, you're under arrest. And he's like, I gotta go. And they're like, well, we'll, we'll, then we'll, we'll, we'll arrest you when you get back. Like, you know, that part, it felt very <laughs> similar to me. And I'm like, I don't like almost you, too similar. You to have a solid point. So I've never put that together, but you may be correct. Yeah. I, I don't know. It does I, seem like the type of reference that Frame would do too. I mean, I guess it's also possible that it's very, uh, stereotypical superhero stuff and yeah and so maybe like like Raimi's film obviously loved to tap into that cliche that's what they were going for and they were trying to gather that um I don't know the quaintness that a movie like this just naturally has so could be a coincidence but it, it felt the same to me oh, that's a good point anyways but yes three recommends <laughs> I even recommend the cheesy fight scene on the subway, which is like the staged fight that he has, where John Ritter is like spinning around on the poles doing like double kicks and shit. I'm like, what? <laughs> that doesn't seem right. <laughs> Still recommend it. It's like, don't forget like your it, booty and like throws the bag of stuff at him. Yeah. It looks so staged though. And then I guess like at the end of the day, it was meant to be staged, so it's, it's it's okay that it looked staged, but it's just kind of fun. Uh, Doug, do you want to tell us about Dead Husbands? Do I have to? <laughs> Unfortunately. Fuck. Um, Dead Husbands is a 1998 made-for-TV movie. Are, are we done yet? Um, <laughs> So let's see, there's these women who have a, um, I don't know what you call it. Chain letter. A, like a chain, a chain letter. Is that the word you want to use? Where basically it's a list of men's names. And if you kill the guy at the top of the list, you get to add your husband to the bottom of the list. So the idea is that there's this ever rotating group of women who want their husbands killed off, who are... You never know who's the one that you never know who's going to kill your husband and you don't know who's the guy you're killing. You don't know who that is. And you just your job is just to invite the next person to put their husband on the list. And that way they can they can all kind of get away with it. Um, so John Ritter plays this successful author who uh, is having some 
marriage issues. So he's suggesting to his wife that he go back to his medical practice because that's what he used to do. And they move out of New York City to a smaller town. She doesn't want to do that. So she's trying to get in on this list. Eventually, he is basically he finds the list and assumes that she's sleeping with all these men. So every time he goes to confront one of them, they've just been murdered. And uh, he starts to think his wife's the one doing all the killing. And I don't know. That's I, I the last part of the movie is. I only have vague notions of what happened because man, was I fucking bored. <laughs> you and me both. Uh, like I as soon as I like settings, I, as soon as I turned it on and realized I was watching a made for TV movie, and I like, it's like, Oh shit. And I like called the like, IMDb and I'm like, it is a TV movie from 1998. Like, no, like TV movies from the seventies and eighties I can get behind, but by 1998, that that was not a thing that I wanted to watch anymore. And this movie just reeks of like lack of effort and lack of um, I don't know, lack of desire to make a good film. If that makes any sense, like it's unfocused. Like sometimes there's this like it's trying to do like the drama thing, but also by the way, it's slapstick comedy, and they have this like music playing in the background that they downloaded from a website oh for free fucking god and it's like i don't this whole this whole movie is wrecked by that soundtrack it's not I, no, that's not true because the movie would still be bad without that soundtrack i don't i don't but think that's it, but true. it makes it worse. i think this is a, a silly made for tv comedy that's perfectly serviceable but those murder scenes i just don't get playing fucking benny hill during some fairly graphic murder scenes, you're like, what in the fuck uh, is this movie doing? Did you watch it on YouTube? I think so, yeah. yeah. D- did the vocals go out as well? Uh, not on the version I watched. They didn't, oh. I don't think. I wish they had. Because during multiple parts of some of the murder scenes, the like the vocals went out, and all you hear is like weird music over top. And I figured out after it happened like the third time that this this upload got hit with like a copyright strike. And sometimes what they do is they just drown that section of the movie out and you can pick some replacement music if you want. And I believe whoever put this one up did that for a couple of scenes. I don't think that's what happened in the version of this. No, well. Then, then the movie selection or the music selections were bad all around. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, real bad. They took they took a, a a quite silly movie and turned it into a fucking stupid movie. But see, my problem is it's not that silly. Like the, like this concept lent you. You've got John Ritter and you've got this concept of like him stumbling across bodies. You can have multiple scenes of him literally stumbling across bodies. You know how good he is at Pratt falling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, they needed to play up the ridiculousness of it or like go dead serious with it and make a thriller film. And what the, I don't know if that would have worked on a made for TV budget, but you know, if you want this to be a comedy, you got to give me something to laugh at. Cause I mean, first of all, like, are, are they 
our two lead characters are an author who writes fucking relationship books, like as if I'm going to relate to that guy or the chick who thinks it's okay to kill your husband because what he wants to move to a small town. Uh, uh, who who am I rooting for in this movie exactly? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, like the only character I kind of liked was the the publicist, like John Ritter's publicist, who keeps showing up like to help him. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like she was all right as a character, but everybody else is just annoying. And I'm just like, I don't know. I, I'm bothered by Noah saying this is a serviceable movie with bad soundtrack. I disagree. I, I don't I think this is just it's what's wrong with made for television movies is it's like, wouldn't it be great if she killed a guy and then they write in the scene of her like running a guy over and we're supposed to think that's funny, but it's like, you didn't do anything to make that funny. Like a girl's driving in a car and she goes over what appears to be a small bump. And you're like, okay, that was a guy. <laughs> so that's funny. That was, like, Huey, no, that was Huey Lewis. Thank you very much. I know it was Huey Lewis. And I feel bad <laughs> for him for being in this movie. I was trying not to bring it up. Uh, trying not I'm to like, shame him. If like, only we could go back in time <laughs> oh, and get him to stop, stop doing this movie with the power of love. Uh, like three years later, Hugh Lewis is heavily involved in a murder scene in a film, which is one of his most famous things. And then it resulted in him and Weird Al recreating it on the fucking <laughs> internet. And I'm like, look at what you can do when you want to create great murder scene with some Huey Lewis in it. But <laughs> here it's just, uh, it's, it's just an embarrassment. I don't know. I, I didn't like this movie. The, uh, the publicist, by the way, Amy yeah. Asbach, uh, John Ritter's wife in real life. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. They were married for a long time. All right. I, I was going to say the girl from the mask. That's what I'm. That's, that's what I know her as. <laughs> uh, so she, she was on Wings as well. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's that's Kelly Cuoco's mom, right? What? What's her, what's her face from the Big Bang Theory? No. Was that her? You think that's her mom? You know, John Ritter wasn't really her dad. That was just a TV show. <laughs> I don't know. As far as I know, they are not related, but I, I, you could tell me they were, and I'd be like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, this movie is terrible. Yeah, I. Super it was slow. Just one of those bad acting. Where, yeah. Just bad acting. Bad story. Execution I, was done horribly. I think the story. There's something there. I think I think you could again. You have to go big and over the top with it, and I don't know you could do it on TV, especially not in 1998. Like you might have to make this rated R in order to have those kill scenes be fun enough for me to enjoy watching them. But it's the way it's done in this movie. It's it's like a lifetime Christmas movie, but about murder and shit. I'm like, well, who wants that? Yeah. Well. Did you say Lifetime movie or Hallmark movie? I don't know the difference. Because Lifetime does have a lot of movies about murder and shit. That's kind of what they deal in now. All right. 
Hallmark, on the other hand, makes their big money off of the Christmas movies every year. Well, I stand corrected on those movies that I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to watch either set of movies. So <laughs> I will accept your expertise. Well, next wife I had used to really watch the Christmas ones and they fucking blew. So that's the amount of my expertise. Uh, I made fun of him once. I'm like, literally every movie is exactly the same. Somebody, some female moves from the, has to, you know, leave the big city to go deal with her family's Christmas, something, something finds the spirit of Christmas and then decides to leave her big city life behind. Like everyone's the same. And, Usually it's and none of Cameron. those, and none of those movies have the woman engaged to some rich, big city, important guy, like a lawyer mm-hmm. or something like that. And then she ends up falling in love with the guy from her hometown. That is either some kind of, mildly rude guy that she initially doesn't like or her boyfriend from high school who stayed in town and now owns a small shop of some kind. Yeah. It's never happened. Nope. Nope. Um, but I did point out that they're all the same. And then Amanda tried to be like, well, you like those slasher movies. They're all the same. And I was like, no, they're not. They're completely different. You shut up. I would have been like, yeah, they are. That's why they're good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I want to try to avoid talking about this movie because it's so bad. Yeah, normally, I try to stop you guys from your tangents, but that's time I was like, no, nah, run with it. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, keep going. Yeah, this movie, this movie's boring and bad. Oh. Yeah, like. What about like the, the two women that the wife meets and they're the ones that introduced her to this chain mail idea? Are they funny? Do you guys do you guys think they're funny? Because I don't. But no. Like, like the one girl is like her husband like sleeps with everybody, and that's why she wants him killed. And she keeps like making I guess jokes about it, but they don't come across as jokes because it's like if what she's saying is true, then it's really sad that she has to live this life. And if what she's saying isn't true, then she has no right to have him killed. So which one is it? I don't know, and I don't care. And then the other one is like being physically abused, but keeps trying to justify it. And I'm like, but you're trying to have him killed. Make up your mind. Are you, are you like, are you like the victim who's like trying to justify that? Oh no, it's my own fault. I deserved it. Or are you the woman that's going to have her husband killed because fuck him for doing these things. Make up your mind. You can't be both. Like it's just, it's so interesting in the movie with this laundry list of dudes who are obviously terrible and have these who want to kill them that nobody stops to go wait this one girl just wants to just wants to kill her husband for his money that's it <laughs> no no there there are because there is that little subplot where people who are like air quotes more deserving keep getting put on the list ahead of her and she's like trying to track them down and like get them to trade places with her and shit and everybody everybody else that gets put ahead of her is then like, yeah, but my sister really needs her husband killed, so you're gonna have to wait. So they are they are calling her out for that, but they're doing it in this weird way where in order for her to be called out, we have to accept that these other men all deserve to be murdered. And it's like I don't I don't know that most of them do. Like if you cheat on your wife, I don't know that you need to get murdered. Maybe just she could just leave you. That's probably the better way to handle that. Like <laughs> 
you know? <laughs> and that's part of the problem with this movie too, is it's all these fucking rich assholes who are like, I have to murder my husband or else instead of getting 50% of the estate, when I leave, I'll only get 25 because he made me sign a prenup. And it's like, what are you? Yeah. I really fucking feel bad for you. I really feel terrible for these women. Don't I? Uh, anyways. Yeah. Moving like on. Not a recommend. This movie sucks. <laughs> this movie does. Yeah, no, it really does. It's free on YouTube. Don't watch it. Yeah, it's free on YouTube, but still not worth it. Free on YouTube. It's got John Ritter in it. He's lovely. Don't watch it. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod, or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right, what did everybody watch? A couple things. Uh, I watched the series Poker Face. Oh, yeah. It's on my list. With what's-her-face, the curly-haired, redhead chick with the smoky voice that's in fucking everything nowadays. Uh, Natasha Leone. Yeah. It's interesting. It's all right. The whole, the whole premise of the show is basically the exact same premise of the show, Lie to Me. That's it. That's, it's that show. Just... For the listeners who might not know, what's the premise of the show, Lie to Me? Uh, so basically, the main character's whole thing is that she's a human lie detector. She just instantly knows if people are lying to her, which makes her incredibly good at poker and gets her in a bunch of trouble in the first episode. Okay. Because basically there's a casino owner that had it out for her and forgave her. And then throughout the course of the first episode, another girl that works there is murdered by that casino owner's son because she's going to fuck them out of the opportunity to fleece a guy for a bunch of money, even though uh, that guy is a I'm assuming I don't think they ever say it, but you assume he's got child porn on his computer and she was going to turn him into the police. So they killed her to protect the pedophile so that they could try to steal his money. Sounds pleasant. Yeah. In the first episode, she unravels that. And then it turns into a 1980s show where they're chasing her. So she's drifting from town to town to town, solving uh, (laughs) murders and and helping people with their problems using her human lie detector abilities. She's she's just the the littlest hobo by this point. Yeah, it's fucking it's fucking great. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> you should. You should. It's delightful. I might watch it. We'll see. Uh, and then I went and did a little uh, double feature day because I finally got out to the theater. Uh, the Cinemark in Joliet, by the way, is fucking phenomenal. Yeah. It's a beautiful. They've got comfy ass seats. Oh, comfy seats, ass seats? Yeah. And the, the seats have like a cup holder that's got like a tray table attached to it that like swings out in front of you that you can put your snacks and your popcorn and stuff on. So they can sit in your lap. It's, yeah. del- it's delightful. I was really excited. I love a good movie theater. 
so I went and saw Shazam Fury of the Gods. Mm-hmm. And it's it's great. I don't everybody, everybody <laughs> just needs to chill the fuck out. It's great. There's no it's it's got some minor tonal issues where it can't seem to decide if it wants to be a little darker and a little more serious or kind of fucking silly. The only huge complaint I had was the subplot of Billy thinks he's going to get kicked out when he turns 18. Yeah, that's real weird. And I'm like, why is this a thing? I mean, Mary is there. She is 18. Yeah. And well, it feels like they cut out a scene or something that should have been at the beginning of the movie where you hear the foster parents talking about the fact that like, if they don't do something, they're going to lose the house and have to kick all the kids out or, you know what I mean? One of those things where he mishears them. Like it's a fucking episode of goddamn Webster or something. There's company, but sure. Yeah. Stick with the John Ritter theme of the episode. Sure. But no, besides, besides that, I don't, I don't know. I didn't, it was fun. Like they handled the, for the fact that they have to deal with a movie that's got like fucking eight superheroes in it that are all Superman strong. They did a good job of mitigating that. Although the end of the movie did feel like it was just, they kept coming up with excuses to keep taking away their powers to be like, Oh no, I guess it's just going to be the one now. (laughs) I got mine back. No, we're going to take those away again. Can't have that. Can't have you fucking up that. Weirdly, one thing I did like for some reason, and I don't know why it's stuck in my head, but the scene where somebody uh, somebody says something like, does anybody else have anything else they want to say? And that one kid's like, I'm gay. And he's like really nervous about it. And everybody just looks at him and they're like, yeah, yeah. we know, dude. Yeah, we know, bud. It's all right. <laughs> he's like, oh, OK. Yeah, it's real funny. I, I love that subplot in this movie. That's, <laughs> and I know that's one of the things that people were throwing bitch fits about being like, oh, woke bullshit. And it's like, it's not woke bullshit. It's just, it's about a kid that's awkward and gay and he doesn't want to tell his family he's gay. <laughs> I think that's a pretty normal thing that happens sometimes. Yeah. And when he finally, finally does, they're all just like, yeah, we know. We got it. We were just waiting for you to say it. Fuck and the, fucking the the Shazam and by Shazam I mean the wizard Shazam is the funniest goddamn thing in the whole movie. He's so fucking him talking shit to all of them is the best. I wish we got more of that in the first movie of just him just randomly talking shit about everybody. Uh, in the post credit scene, not the first post credit scene, but the second one. I laughed so fucking hard. I think everyone in that theater thought I was crazy. It's like, oh, they finally going to do something with this? Oh, no. Oh, just what a great, what a great fucking callback. (laughs) You know, for something that they didn't play out. Be like, ah, well, it's weird that they didn't play that out. And at the movie, they're like, yeah, it's weird that we didn't play that out. And we're going to delay that again. (laughs) (laughs) How did you feel about the uh, big Wonder Woman cameo? I couldn't give I couldn't give a fuck less. I kind of felt like that tacked on scene kind of ruined the end of that movie. Mm. I I, I don't know, because like the whole 
spoilers spoilers everyone yeah. according Fast to forward. the box office nobody's seeing this movie yeah, anyway yeah yeah i was gonna say after billy dies <laughs> saving everybody the fact that like they just bring him back from the dead instantly as a joke is almost like ah, no i don't like it it's nice that they buried him before they you know did something to bring him back He's going to dig his way out. Yeah. Yeah. Something. I don't, I don't know that whole scene where it's like, there's one God left. I was like, Oh fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have, I didn't have that big of a reaction to it, but okay. Really? That was just instantaneous. I was like, this is why the fuck they gave it to James Gunn to get rid of this bullshit. What the fuck? That's such a stupid, tacky, tacked-on bullshit thing to do at the end of the movie. I don't know. Anyways, that's that was it. That last scene was dumb, but besides that, the movie was fine. And it was touching. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was legit sad. And then all of a sudden, it's like, nope, bringing him back from the dead, because Wonder Woman's here. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Fuck. Do you think he's going to join the JSA? <laughs> yeah, that, that bit was pretty funny, too. The fact that he doesn't know the difference between the Justice Society and the Justice League. <laughs> Wait, there's two of them? Those are really similar names. You guys <laughs> seems, should workshop that. <laughs> seems like bad branding to have two teams with Justice in the title. And what, what do they call it? The Avengers Society or something when he's trying to throw out alternative oh, yeah. names? Yeah, the Avengers Society. Ooh, that sounds real good for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, and then I followed that up by seeing uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Oh, yeah. That's what I went and saw as well. In which that movie was surprisingly solid as fuck. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm not as deep into the Dungeons and Dragons lore as a lot of people, but I had a good time. Well, that that stuff gets interesting because everybody, I keep reading reviews that where they're like, oh, they went so deep into the lore. And it's like, no, they didn't. Like, oh, everything that's in that movie is from the last three books. Like, they didn't, there's nothing deep about it. It's planned out and interesting. So I actually just ran uh, the campaign uh, rhyme of the frost maiden in which in that uh, campaign, you can go to the prison they're in at the beginning. Oh, and that prison actually didn't exist in lore previously. And they needed a magical super prison for this movie. So that prison was invented in world two years ago to accommodate this movie, (laughs) which is fascinating. Interesting. It's a lot of work. It's it's a lot of (laughs) pre-planning and thought and work. But yeah, the rest of it, like the big fat dragon is an actual like known thing. (laughs) Yeah. The fat dragon was hilarious. Yeah. In which I didn't realize that's who that was, that it was Theradun. But that makes sense. But, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, the rest of it, like all the all the cities they're in and kind of most of the magic-y stuff is pretty accurate to the game. I mean, it's it's clearly made by people who kind of get it. Mm-hmm. The only the only problem with the movie as far as like the game's concerned is there's no consistency with how powerful those characters are. The main character is essentially a level like one rogue. He does nothing. He like <laughs> he sucks. He has no abilities or anything. The barbarian is pretty badass, but she's maybe like a level five character, you know, something, something along that. The sorcerer at the beginning of the movie, he's like a level one sorcerer. And somehow at the end of the movie, he's like a level 15 sorcerer, which doesn't make any sense. But that druid to do the things that that druid does at the very <laughs> fucking beginning of the movie she is a level 20 character. She is the most powerful by far of everybody in the movie. Like almost to the point of it being a joke. She wild shapes like 15 times in one scene. And you're like, ah, that's against the rules. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't just keep arbitrarily wild shaping into different forms. But yeah, it was fun. I liked it. I liked nice. I liked all their weird backstories that they kind of tacked on to everybody because that's pretty accurate to playing the game. The escape scene at the beginning of the movie was really fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps trying to stall till the fuck is that dude's name? Is a Jarden or something shows up? <laughs> yeah. Just the but we approved your thing. Ah! yeah i recommend i think i think the whole thing is the story's fun enough that if you don't know anything about dungeons and dragons you'll have fun with it and if you do know a bunch about dungeons and dragons you'll have fun because uh every for the most part a lot of it's pretty uh inside baseball and accurate stuff most of the monsters were pretty accurate I like the fact that they just didn't bother to fucking explain any of them. Damn. Don't need to do that. Really liked it. They gave up. They made the fucking displacer beast look really fucking cool, which I was kind of into the big cats with the tentacles on their back. Mm hmm. Those are dope. So I was told that that's not really how their powers work. though. It, well, but it kind of is. I don't I'm, I have no idea. So. It's so basically in older editions, whenever you would attack them, you would always have a 50% chance of attacking the wrong one. If that makes sense. Generally, sure. generally they were always shown as standing right next to each other. Not, not this thing where they were doing it like Raptors hunting, where they could make it do different things. Hmm. But I actually kind of prefer the movie version because I'm like, oh, you know what? That actually makes more sense. And that's really cool. Hmm. Yeah, I had a good time with it. I had no clue what was going on, but yeah, just went, just went along with it. Solid. Eight out, eight out of ten. <clears throat> What'd you watch, Doug? None of that stuff. Um. <laughs> I wanted a slightly different direction. 
but I did find a really good movie. Yeah. Uh, it's called The Transfiguration. It's from like 2016, I want to say. Okay. Little art housey movie. Um, about a kid that's convinced he's a vampire, but I don't think he is a vampire. I think he's just psychotic. <laughs> um, yeah, so the movie literally opens up a scene of this guy like drinking blood from a dude's neck and go back and we find out he's just kind of obsessed with vampire lore. Like he's got all these old vampire movies on tape and he's constantly watching them. Um, and the story kind of picks up with him. Like he lives in like, I don't know, like a lower end neighborhood of New York city kind of thing. I don't, they probably say the name of the neighborhood, but I don't know it. Um, you know, it kind of picks up with him. We get to know him through him meeting this like new girl that moves into his complex as they get to know each other and stuff. And we learn about his backstory and how he got interested in all this stuff. And it's just kind of this weird, slow-paced movie. Um, and just every now and again, he kind of sneaks away and murders someone and drinks their blood. Um, I I really dug it. It was just the atmosphere really worked. The performances really worked. It At one point, somebody asks the kid what his favorite three favorite vampire movies are. And it was like, he goes, uh, like it's probably near dark, let the right one in and Martin. And I'm like, first of all, this kid is correct. Those are the three best vampire movies. And then secondly, it's like, you could just see how this movie is a tribute to all of those movies in just the way everything is done. I mean, the plot line is very sort of Martin esque with this kid that thinks he's a vampire, but as an audience, you just kind of spend a lot of the movie like, is he though, or is he not? I don't understand. Um, and then the let, let the right one in vibes are really heavy with the way it plays out with him meeting this other person. It's just told from the vampire perspective instead of the other person's perspective. And uh, yeah, I I was really into it. Um, it's just, Noah should not watch it because he'll hate it because it's very <laughs> slow paced and deliberate. Um, kind of arthousey, but he also didn't put the Lost Boys in that list of best vampires. Yeah, that's what so I was wondering. Fuck him in the face. Lost Boys makes a there's an appearance. He's got a a bootleg copy of Lost Boys on VHS in his bedroom. If that makes you feel better. <laughs> a little. But he also has he also has a bootleg copy of Dracula Untold on the same shelf. So. Oh um, no! How dare he? How dare he put those on the same shelf? It's, there's a lot of movies on that shelf, but anyways, um, yeah. So like, like a lot of the movie is just the relationship between these two and how like they're the darkness of their two lives and the way they're both handling it. And obviously, he's not handling it particularly well. And then there's like a weird backstory about also the fact that they're growing up in this poor neighborhood and there are gangs around. And, all this kind of stuff going on as well, but I really dug it. Um, it's not a plot heavy film, so there's not much to like spoil, but it, it, it's, it's a lot of just like you're following this character around and he's like trying to convince people. He talks about vampires like they're real and everybody thinks he's just a little strange, not realizing that actually he's uh, also sneaking out at night and murdering. So it's a big recommend. It's, if you're into this type of movie, this sort of slow paced, I know Brian, you really like let the right one in. I would say this is paced similarly. Oh, okay. Um, so it's, 
like like the whole plot line of like he's living in this like lower end apartment complex and, and moves this girl like that it's flipped on its head because he's the one that's killing people instead of her but at the same time it is kind of very much the same setup and it's paced similarly um and then yeah it's some of the kills i think are are taken from near dark but i won't get into the specifics because it'd be more fun to watch them if you ever get a chance to um yeah it just it's it's hard movie to describe but i I really liked the way it played out i liked watching these two characters get to know each other i liked watching this kid just suffer his way through life i don't know why i don't know why (laughs) i enjoy watching that but sometimes i do so interesting uh, i literally like picked it based on the uh on the cover art, which is just a, it's a ripoff of the star Wars episode one posters where the, they would have like the little kid and then the shadow was Darth Vader, but this is the kid walking around and the shadow is Nosferatu. So I'm like, Oh, that's, Mm. that's enough. I'll watch that movie for that reason. And, uh, I'm really glad I did. Uh, Nice. So I'd I'd be curious, Brian, if you watched it to hear what you thought of it, see if, to see if this is something that would appeal to more people than just me. Because it does feel in some <laughs> ways like it was a movie made for me. They're like, this movie's going to be a tribute to three of your favorite movies. What do you think of that? I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good idea. I'd like to see that, you know. But it's. um, Yeah, I, I, I'm, having tr- I'm having trouble explaining what I liked about the movie, but it was, the violence is good. The backstories that, that are kind of fed to us gradually about these two characters are interesting. Um, you know, you kind of see like when they first meet, you realize they're both like orphans. So, you know, you're going to get the backstory of why that is and stuff. And you, you kind of get it. And in his case, you see how they're reacting to this. And uh, they're both very self-destructive. Him, obviously, with the, the murdering, the drinking blood and her, her own ways. Um but yeah, it's a big recommend if if you think it sounds like something you might like because it's like I say, don't Noah, just don't like it's. <laughs> I just don't need you. I don't need you here complaining and trying to convince me that it was nine hours long or whatever. It's fine. It's not for you. And then I don't know. Your description of it felt about three hours long. I know <laughs> the whole time I was thinking like actually when I was watching it, because whenever I'm watching these types of movies, I'm always thinking like, well, will I recommend these to the guys? Cause you know, it's going to come up and uh, I'm like, yeah, there's no way. Like part of me wants to try to trick Noah into watching this just to watch him get mad, but I don't want to listen to him trash this movie. So. And then because, you know, I like to watch movies that put everybody in a good mood. The next one I watched was uh, In the Heat of the Night, which I'd never seen before. The old uh, Sidney Poitier, Rod Steiger movie about racism in the South. But, you know, you cheer yourself up once in a while. Have you guys ever seen this one? Uh, no. No, I remember the TV show from the 80s, but this is a little different. Mostly because, you know. It's Sidney Poitier and Rod Steiger as the actors, not whoever the hell it was in the TV show that could not possibly keep up. But um, so the uh, plot is Carol O'Connor in the yeah. show. Yeah. 
and and I don't remember him being bad. I shouldn't probably trash it. I haven't seen the show and since like whenever I would walk in the living room and my mom would be watching it when I was a kid. So I shouldn't say anything negative about it. Maybe it was great. Um, but so the movie is basically, you know, small town in the South. I forget which state. All, they all seem the same to me. Um, murder happens. Cops are like panicked because they're not used to dealing with this sort of thing. You find a black dude sitting at the train station, immediately arrest him like stranger, black. It's the South. You're under arrest. Um, bring him in and find out he is actually a police officer from Pennsylvania that's just in town visiting his uh, family. And so as they're like kind of doing the old like apology thing to him, they call to confirm who he is and his captain or whatever is like, well, now that you're involved, you should stay there and help them solve the murder. And uh, you've, so you've got this like racist white town that really needs this um, black police officer from out of state to help them because he understands things they don't need that they don't just don't understand. Like they're, you know, the first suspect they arrest is like left-handed. And he's like, yeah, let that guy go. And they're like, what? And then he like walks them through how, like, if you look at the wounds, you can tell where the strike came from and it had to have been done by a right-handed person or whatever. And it's like, and they're all like, it's sort of that weird combination of like, we know you're right, but we're mad at you for knowing things we don't know. And we automatically hate you for being different. And there's a lot of that. So the, uh, I don't know the messaging element of it, like with the the racial tension and everything is actually well done. But as like a murder mystery, it's also quite good. I found myself really wondering like which of these, which of these like suspects is not a red herring because they all kind of seem like they could be or could not be. And the way it plays out was not what I expected. So it worked well on as just that as well. Um, and I just, I don't know, I enjoyed, like, the Sidney Poitier character specifically, like, he was just super reluctant to get involved, but he kind of plays that, like, old school cop that once he's involved in a case, he can't let it go. And he's kind of like a a tough guy standing up to, uh, standing up to the people who are, like, don't want him around, basically, because of his race. So I, I enjoyed that character quite a bit. And there's a few funny moments in the movie, too, that are just like, I don't know, there's a, there's a moment where, like, he slaps like a super uh, rich white dude and watching everybody else react to it is just real funny. And then, like, the, the sheriff guy is like, yeah, we kind of got to get you out of town because you're probably going to get killed. And that's going to cause, like, a huge mess if an out-of-state police officer gets killed in my town. <laughs> and it's, like, it's just kind of funny to watch them all react to the way he behaves and stuff. So. Nice. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a huge recommend. It's a really good movie. Um, I, I can completely understand why it's a very famous movie that many, many other people have seen and recommended before me. Um, just, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I've never seen it. It's just one that's never sort of made itself available for me to watch, I guess. Yeah. That's, 
one of the fun things about the streaming era is you can just be like flipping through and stumble across something like this and go, oh, yeah, like like that's a classic film that I probably should have seen. But, you know, never got around to riding my bike to Blockbuster to pick that one up. So here it is. And I'm just trying to think if I watched anything else. No, I rewatched the uh, the 2010 film Buried with Ryan Reynolds. That's the one where they he's literally buried in a coffin the entire movie. Mm. I mean, have you guys seen it? I hadn't seen it since it was new. <clears throat> no, never seen it. It is shockingly good, considering it is. 93 minutes or something and it literally takes place entirely in this box like the movie opens with him waking up buried in a coffin under the ground and the movie ends he's still in that coffin under the ground like it's and there's no like cutting away like he has a cell phone so we get other characters showing up by voice only but there's no like flashbacks there's no cutting away to different scenes it all takes place in whatever how big's a coffin seven feet by three feet or something Mm -hmm. and the entire movie is in there it's just ryan reynolds his his acting is really solid and it needs to be because there's like there's nothing else going on and it's it's literally him like first trying to call like like literally just dialing 911. He's the idea is he was a truck driver in Iraq. Their convoy got hit. He was kidnapped and he's being held for ransom. But he's just literally doesn't know what to do because they cleared out his wallet. So he doesn't have like the card or the number he's supposed to call if something goes wrong. So he's like just dials 911 and gets like some small town in Ohio. And he's like, Can you guys help at all? And they're like, No. And he's like, so he's got to figure out how to like get a hold of like the appropriate people and stuff. And then he starts panicking and he like, there's a pretty dark scene where he calls, he thinks he's going to die. So he calls his mother who's in an old folks home with Alzheimer's and he's like trying to, trying to say goodbye to her and she doesn't know who he is. She just kind of keeps casually saying that her, her husband still play bridge every night. He's like, yeah, dad's been dead for a so um it, it's I I'm shocked by how good the movie is considering the premise and how hard it would be to make a movie that takes place like this. The way they held back and didn't cut away, and even just when he's on the phone with people, you could have just cut away and shown that other actor, and they don't even do that. Hmm. So super intense. Nice. It's not a long runtime. Since it's a movie, Steven Toblioski gets to be in it, even though it's there's no other actor on screen. He's like, it's the only voice that shows up where I'm like, I know that guy. <laughs> it's. I guess minor spoiler, I can tell you what his role is. Um, it's not even a minor spoiler. It's a pretty harsh spoiler, but I, I feel the need to talk about it. Okay. He fucking plays. He fucking plays the guy from the company that hired Ryan Reynolds to be there, and like, he fucking gets a hold of him while he's buried underground to officially fire him, <laughs> so that, 
so that they won't have to pay out the insurance if he dies. Good Lord. And it is such a harsh scene. I mean, the whole movie in, in some ways is a condemnation of capitalism as it relates to the whole invasion of Iraq and the, the, these private contractors being sent over and, you know, Ryan Reynolds character is a truck driver and he's, there's many times where he's like, no one told me it was going to be like this. I just, it was just a good job driving a truck. Like it's, I was just trying to make money for my family or whatever. And the next thing you know, we're getting shot at and we have nobody protecting us and all this other stuff. Right. And then to have them call in and at one point the, the, you hear the voice on the phone be like, I'm going to turn on a recording now. Do I have your permission to record this call? And he starts going through like all the reasons why he can legally fire him. And Ryan Reynolds is figuring it out. And he's like, you fucking piece of shit. What the fuck is wrong with you? And all that, like and when he realizes the insurance money's not going to go to his family, he's like, there's like $700 in my bank. That's all they're going to have. If you don't pay out, like, what are you, what are they going to do? Kind of thing. And he's just losing his mind. And, Steven Tobolowski is just there, like speaking very much like Ned from Groundhog Day, just doing the like, and for all these reasons, we've officially terminated you, and therefore we cannot be held accountable for, for the current situation. You're just like, <laughs> fucking Christ. And, you're like, and then in my head, I'm thinking, I wonder if that ever actually happened to anyone. Not quite exactly like this necessarily, but I bet you insurance companies refuse to pay out to families of people who died over there who just were like, again, truck drivers and whoever else that were just trying to figure out a way to make a living. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it happened. For sure. It has to have happened at some point. It's, I don't know. Weirdly, I've had very good luck dealing with insurance companies my whole life, but um, I hear they're really terrible, especially American ones. So Probably... Yeah. Did you, did you so, watch? Did you watch anything else? I did. Uh, what did I watch? I watched the movie WrestleMania twice this weekend because my kid was home. So, WrestleMania. That's that would be about a Jack Russell Terrier named Russell who becomes a professional wrestler. Wow. Uh, and I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> That's about all you need to know about that movie. <laughs> it has it has the actor i don't know the actor's name but he played uh i know him as jack dalton from macgyver back in the 80s but i don't know he's been in lots of other things but that's what i know him as and he plays uh plays a vince mcmahon clone runs a wrestling company called wuf that bought up all of the other smaller wrestling organizations (laughs) back in the 80s this is a very oddly specific movie yeah, it's weird. And then I had to like explain to my kid that that's what the real Vince McMahon actually did. So interesting. Yes. Speaking of my kid, I'm going to be gone for a minute, Brian. But you start telling everyone what you watched, okay? The only thing I watched was Dungeons and Dragons. So right. you go right well, ahead. Okay. <laughs> Tell us about it again because we need time to fill. So. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, for next week, since uh, this week we talked about a movie that I saw randomly on TV on a weekend movie as a kid, we're going to keep that trend going. 
we're gonna watch next week too uh like crime thriller type movies uh the first one's seven hours to judgment with Bo bridges which i caught on cable some point i haven't seen since and i've been really wanting to rewatch it so i put it on the list as an excuse and now it's it's time to pull that trigger uh, and then we're following that up with Night of the Running Man, uh, which is a cab. He finds like a million dollars and goes on the run and people are chasing after him. Nice. Can I and pretend the, like I misheard so that and instead watch the running man again? Sure. Sweet. It's going to make for a really interesting discussion. <laughs> we're trying to combine the two, but. <laughs> you like. I I feel like you guys really aren't talking enough about the dude wearing the light bright suit. <laughs> hey, Killian. Was Sub-Zero, now Total Zero. Yeah, <laughs> um, now I'm going to be disappointed if none of these movies have Jesse the body in them. Oh, yeah, they won't. <laughs> we should just cancel all this and just watch The Running Man twice. Nice. Too late. You already said it. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, they're both on Tubi, so it should be easy to find. Um, I don't know. Should we talk about it at the end of the show? I don't know. The problem is we went on all the tangents during the show. No. And so like we've already done our wrestling corner and our random DC stuff because we didn't want to talk about the movies this week. Apparently. <laughs> that mustache is so thin. Why dye it when it's so thin? I don't know what the fuck is happening. I've um, seen I've seen some great memes from it though. Did you see the one where they put him as the guy on the front of the Tapatio hot sauce bottle? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Like I don't know what he's doing. He the last time he was like actually on television, he was looking so fucking old. And now he just is like, I'm going to die everything and show back up. And people are just going to accept me for the way that I am. So never so, die, like never die your hair. Oh, oh. unless you, unless you like, I guess there's probably a way, like maybe if you move to a new town and dye it very realistically before you move and then monitor it very closely and like diet every day. But you're not fooling you anyone. Can even I think you can pull it off as long as you don't try to go like natural. You know what I mean? You don't try to pretend that this is your actual haircut. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's a totally different thing. Like if you just if you want to dye your hair purple or something, go ahead, do your thing. But don't try to convince people that that's your hair. Like it's just not going to work. Yeah, it looks so weird. Have you ever known people who have done this where they just decide it's a good idea to dye their hair, and you're like. Do you think we don't know that yesterday your hair was a different color than it is today? Like, do you think we all forgot what you look like? Like, it's so weird. See, I went the opposite when I was like in my twenties. I did that bleach blonde thing where you just completely bleach your hair out, so it's like it's white. Okay. Why? I don't know. It was it was like 
the year 2000. Who fuck knows? But yeah, one day I had normal hair. The next day I walked into work. My hair is almost completely white. Everybody's like, what the, what's up with your hair? I'm like, ah, I don't know. Just felt like doing it. Uh, yeah. And again, though, as long as you're not pretending it's natural, I think it's fine. Do whatever you want. I don't know. Yeah. I judge people. It's been too long since I had hair for me to judge anyone for their <laughs> hair. So. But I don't know. It seems. I don't, it's it's a little bit sad that people feel the need to dye their hair to try to convince everyone that they look younger. Mm-hmm. And then it's even sadder that they have so little respect for humanity that they think people are going to not notice. <laughs> like the absurdity of it is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> That's with Vince McMahon. I just don't know what his thought process was. Especially with that fucking mustache. I don't know. Again, I assumed those were fake. I just, just I saw nope. the memes and I'm like, oh. the funny thing is when he retired, quote unquote, because of all the hush money payments they got discovered. Yeah. Uh, people started making memes that was like, oh, uh, uh, the new new person that will be running the WWE will be like. Prince McMaven or something. And, you know, it was just Vince McMahon and a mustache. And now those memes have come true. Check, check the discord. Yep. Oh, nice. That's a picante. I mean, it looks just like it. Like it's, it really it's, does. It's terrifying. Good well, Lord. Does any of this merger stuff make sense to you anyway? Like, why would UFC want to be so closely associated with WWE? It feels like, like it feels like you're going to hurt the real sport if you have it crossing over into the entertainment. And if you're yeah. not going to do the crossovers, why make it so public that you're like merging into one company? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't understand it either, but. The fuck do I know? Yeah, it's it's a really good point. You know very little. (laughs) It's very true. We need to end the show before Vince McMahon's pencil thin mustache haunts my nightmares. (laughs) Gonna happen. All right. Just him him talking in terrible fake Spanish. (laughs) He does look like a villain on the. uh... One of those telenovelas. <laughs> right. <laughs> Por <qué? laughs> uh. No, Ilanzo. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's someone's twin brother on one of those. <laughs> and we know that because he has the mustache. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. Now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.